Welcome everybody to another Wealthy Podcast. On this episode, we dive into one of my TikTok live events. I do these every Friday at 12 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. If you have the time and you're available, we'd love to see you at one of those live events where I can answer some of your questions too. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, welcome. Today, we're going to be talking about 30 years worth of property data that's come from CoreLogic. Um, and I want to talk about the differences between houses and apartments and how they have performed over the past 30 years. Um, you know, a lot of people have uh, strong opinions about what makes the best investment, apartments versus houses. And today, I hope to uh, give you all a better insight into how the two perform and the differences between the two. Now, bear in mind, I don't think there's one best style of investment. Each style of investment is there to achieve different outcomes. And today I want to cover in some of those. Now, CoreLogic recently produced a report on the 29th of August, and it put out some really, really interesting pieces of information. So over the past 30 years, one thing that really stood out to me is just how much houses have grown. Houses particularly. Houses have grown faster than apartments and larger than apartments over the past 30 years. I know this is not a shock to a lot of you. I mean, when, it, when you think about the Australian dream, there's a big emotional attachment to houses. People want to go and get a bit of dirt. They want the space to grow. They want that space for their family. Houses give you a lot of flexibility that apartments don't. Being a part of strata, um, there's a lot of things you can't do with an apartment. Houses give you the opportunity to subdivide, to knock the whole thing down, start from scratch, you know, put nails in walls. Um, you can do a lot of things without necessarily getting an approval or getting, um, you know, getting it needed to seek approval from strata. You certainly got to go talk to council about some things, but there's lots and lots of flexibility. But let's, let's just jump into the data. Here, the combined capital, um, the capital value or capital cities, basically, since July 2022, um, houses have grown by 453%. 453%. The average, or the, the, the average house today in capital cities is worth 928,000. So it's grown by about $760,000 over the 30 year period. So if you had made a, um, if you had invested about 200K um, 30 years ago, that investment is now worth nearly a million dollars, 928,000. Now, if we're gonna compare that to an apartment, this is the result. Over the past 30 years, unit values have grown by about 306%. So between houses and apartments, you're looking at about 150% over a 30-year time period. So for that same um, 200K that you've invested in an apartment, that property or the, the average apartment now is worth 636000 and you would have made about 480K roughly. So between the two, if you're investing in major metropolitan hubs, the 
the fastest growing asset that you can go and buy is a house. Now I've got a question here. Um, this awesome want to support maybe needs to. So, so I'll come back to this question. It's not relevant to what we're talking about right now, but I will address it at the end of this chat. Now, one thing I do want to say, this is talking about major metropolitan hubs. If we're looking about at looking at houses now in regional areas, it's a very different story. Over the past 12 months, of uh, 24 months, the last boom was led by regional cities. Now, if you have a look at the last 30 years, the average house in a regional city is now worth 623000 and it grew by about 313%. Now, in regional cities, apartments have grown by about 212%. So if you had bought a regional house or a, metro, a major metropolitan apartment, they grew by about the same amount. Now, the big, big winner really is if you're going to go for growth to buy a house in a major metro market. Now, if we're having a look at this data, what was the, the biggest winner? If you had bought um, anywhere in Australia, what was going to be the one place where you'd get the most growth? The, in, out of all the capital cities, if you had bought in Melbourne, you would be the biggest winner. Basically, Melbourne houses grew by 459%, and that is an average annual growth rate of 5.9%. And if you're looking to invest in um, regional centers, it was regional Tasmania. That was the fastest growing out of all the regional centers by 361%. Now, you're probably thinking, well, what was the slowest growers in, um, in, in, uh, in Australia? The slowest out of all the capital cities was Perth. No big surprises there. Perth has traditionally been a slower growth market, but it is a really good, strong market for rental growth. Now, talking about that, Perth grew by 303%. That meant that Perth, um, Perth grew by about the same rate as a, an apartment grew in the major metropolitan hubs. Now, that is a growth rate of 4.8% annualized. Still a very strong growth rate. If you go and invest your money, you're getting about 5% year on year, plus you're getting cash flow. It's still a very good, strong um, return. Now, for all the people that are in Sydney, uh, just to give you a heads up, Sydney houses grew by about 449% over a 30-year period. That's an average annual growth rate of 5.8%. And I want to touch on something. The um, highest performing area was actually an area called Sydney Marrickville. That's the inner western suburbs of Sydney. That grew by 660%. So some tremendous growth coming in some of these inner city regions. Now, you know, it's it's all well and good for me to be talking about, you know, go buy a house to go and get the strongest uh, capital growth um, but not everyone can afford a house. And this is just talking about capital growth. It's not talking about total return. It's not talking about the rent that you're receiving in that time as well. It's not factoring in what's important to you, the lifestyle that you can live or the sacrifices that you'd need to make to get into making these investments. So looking forward, 
you know, the the median house or the median um, house price in Sydney is now one point three million. That really is unattainable for a lot of people. So I'm here to tell you that it's okay if you can only really go and buy an apartment. Look at buy an apartment. The average house, um, average apartment in Sydney is about eight hundred k. If you can't afford to buy in Sydney, have a look in other states. So a great example of that is, you know, um, uh, Melbourne. Melbourne average house is about 960k. Apartments and 614,000. Certainly much more affordable in Melbourne compared to Sydney. Now, these are average prices. If you're looking for affordability, it means you need to move to the fringes. The closer you are to the city, the closer you are to the beaches and all the major, um, the arterial hubs, closer train stations, beaches, you know, aesthetically pleasing areas, it's going to cost you much, much more than if you were to move to the fringes. If you move to the fringes, you might get slower growth rates, might get slower growth rates, but you still will have an asset that will perform really, really well. The big thing here for me, looking at this 30 years of data, is that even if you had picked the slowest growth rate or the slowest performing um, 30-year growth rate, and that is if you'd bought in regional Western Australia, over 30 years, that property would have grown by 214%. Um, and that's a 3.9% average annual growth rate. So the message in there is that even if you uh, haven't picked the best, you're still going to do well. You know, it's, it's, the message in there is not to overcomplicate it. Buy within your means, buy the property that fits within your lifestyle, your levels of comfort. It might not be the fastest growing, but you're still, if you hold that property long enough, you're still going to perform well. You're still going to have life changing um, results. You know, for a lot of people here that are watching today, over a 30 year period, if you pocketed half a million dollars net, $760,000 net, that's life-changing. And the beautiful thing about that is as that property is growing, let's just say within the first 10 years, you get some really good growth. You can use the equity to continue growing. You can use that equity to pull out the money, buy another property and keep on going. So now you've got two assets that are growing by an average growth rate of at the lowest here over 30 years, 3.9%. And you know, at the top end, it's 5.9%. So it's a 2% difference, which is a lot over 30 years. But it is, you know, thinking about it in those terms, it removes a lot of the fear of fucking up. You know, it, the story is to get in, buy within your means, learn as you're doing that investment, and know that so long as you haven't bought a dud, you know, an investment that's, or a house that's going to, cost you hundreds of thousands because you've bought something that is, you know, mine subsidence and then, you know, the, the house falls through a hole or severe contamination, you know, something's really wrong with it. If you've avoided all the really big issues and you hold that property for long enough, that's when you're going to do well. Now, the second part of that story is what I'm speaking about here is you've got to hold the asset for 30 years. Now, the difficulty I'd say with holding an asset for 30 years is probably the first five years, first five to 10 years. And that then comes back to cash flow. 
I want to say that again. The hardest part is holding a property for the first five to 10 years, five years particularly, because you're getting used to it. And cash flow is then king. So if you are, are, are nervous, Nelly, you inherently are scared of debt, maybe you are a bit fearful because you don't know how much income you're going to have in the years to come, or maybe the job or the profession you're in is unstable, or you can't earn a huge amount of income. Your earning capacity is capped because maybe you're going to have children or you know, um, you haven't got the skills necessary to go and earn hundreds of thousands of dollars, or maybe you just don't want to. Then what that means is perhaps for you, you want to go buy really good cash-rich assets. These are assets that are going to pay you lots of rent. So what I want to talk about now is, you know, rental returns. Um, there are some really, really good markets where you can go and invest your money and get an extraordinary rental return. Over the past 12 months, rents have skyrocketed. They've absolutely skyrocketed. And particularly for apartments, Apartments typically get more rent per dollar than a house does. So if you're someone that's very nervous and you're thinking about this investment, you want to hold it for the long term, but you're scared, you don't know about the debt, you don't know what your income is going to be like, or if you can earn that much money, perhaps you've got to look at, maybe I don't want to go and get the highest possible growth. I want to moderate the amount of growth that I get, but get stronger cash flow. Then you can look at markets like Perth really, really strong rental market. You can have a look at buying a unit, really strong rental returns from units. So it's about staying in the game as long as you can. And over the long term, you're going to get really good results. And then having an investment that's going to put some money in your pocket so that you don't have the fear of having to service that mortgage. Now, um, I call myself a lazy investor. I was never trying to try to to achieve the maximum amount of growth that I could because I knew that I wanted to start a business. I wanted to create like this kind of media. Uh, I wanted to create um, media exposure like this. I wanted to create um, training videos, write a book, all this kind of stuff. So for me, it was about having to live a lifestyle. I wanted to be able to travel. I didn't want to have to work as hard as I possibly could have. And by finding properties for me that were good balance between cash flow and growth, it has meant that I've been able to make hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars in real estate, but in a lazy way by picking properties that the rent covered my mortgage, covered my expenses. And on top of that, I got really good tax benefits from them. So that is my message for today. Talking about the 30 years of property data. Houses are the clear winner for uh, capital growth, especially in major metropolitan hubs. Historically speaking, regional centers have not performed as well as the major metro hubs. That's the, the big cities. Um, and now I'm going to quickly just jump in and have a look at your comments. And if you've got any questions, let me know. I'm happy to answer them now. Um, Poodle and Noodle has asked, should I invest in my friend's business? I will need to get a second mortgage um, to invest in that company. It's an awesome company. I want to support, but may need to sell my house. Is it a good idea? Look, um, should you sell your house to invest in a business? I think that that's very risky. 
uh, what I've just told you here, by owning your property over a 30-year period, you're going you're gonna to make three, four, 500% return on your money, and you're going to have rental returns. If you invest in the right business, uh, you know, there's Ubers out there, you can earn billions of dollars, but <clears throat> I believe in potentially diversifying your assets. If you can use that property to then invest in the business, maybe draw some equity out of that property to invest a small sum into a business, um, that's not a bad idea. I've invested in many businesses and they've served me very well. Um, business Investing in businesses is a very different game to investing in property. I love property because it's, I think it's a, a I, I chose property because it's simple. You know, it's simple supply and demand, follow where the people are going. And if you don't fuck it up and you buy an investment, that's good. You're going to be fine. Um, Sydney, Melbourne falling fast now, lol. Um, I mean, yeah, they're falling relatively uh, relatively quickly compared to historical averages. Uh, but that's, it's irrelevant. If anything else, what I'd say is, When's the best time to go and buy property? When it's peaking or when it's going down? Um, and that the answer is buy property when you can afford it, whether it's going up or down. So if you found a good investment, I really think that you should just go and get your cash together, make sure you can afford the, your repayments and just get into the market. Pick a good property in a good market and it's fine. Whether the property market's going up or down, it's, it's kind of irrelevant. It's a short-term fluctuation. Even if you save $50,000, who gives a shit? The property is going to double, triple, quadruple in value. You're going to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. That 30000 $40,000 you save, it doesn't really matter in the scheme of things. It does in the short term. And if you really want to game the industry, you can. But look, I'm hunting for property now. I'm always in the hunt. My business partner bought a property just the other day. My general manager bought a property the other day. We're always looking. Don't get fooled into the bullshit. Um, what is my take on commercial properties? I love commercial properties. Commercial property is an excellent asset to get into. It's harder to get into than um, residential property. Let me put it this way. Um, everybody needs to have a house over their head. Everybody needs a place to live. Not everybody needs to start a business. I own commercial property. It's an excellent cash flow asset. It's a really easy uh, property to create value. If you go and buy an untenanted property and you put a lease in there, you've basically created value. Commercial property is difficult to get into because you need a bigger deposit than normal and the loan to value ratio that you can achieve with uh, commercial is much lower than residential. Um, I think my thoughts on this is if you're going to buy commercial, maybe start with residential property, learn about collecting rent, learn about picking markets, about loans, um, get comfortable in that space, use the equity from your investments or your own home to then go buy commercial property and go and seek advice. But I really like commercial property. Hi, are you in Sydney? Um, right now I'm not in Sydney. I'm in a, uh, uh, three hours north of Sydney. I'm in a place called Nelson Bay. It's a beach community, but I'm moving back to Sydney so shortly. Um, you really think houses in hyperinflation are going to triple in value again? Well, uh, what's interesting about this is, one, we're not in hyperinflation. 
we're, we're an inflationary period. Hyperinflation is when you're getting like 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 300% inflation. Our inflation rate's like six, seven, eight percent. You know, China grew for nearly 20 years at between seven and 10 percent. Nonetheless, um, hyperinflation impacts property prices. Inflation impacts property prices. Inflation impacts rental prices. Now, it's actually a, um, a hedge against inflation having a property. So during an inflationary period, it costs more money to go and replace the building that's on there. Let's just say a brick costs you a dollar today. During an inflationary period, that same brick is going to cost you two dollars. So if it if you need to put a hundred thousand bricks in to build a home, it now costs you more to build that same house. So owning an asset during an inflationary period is really good. And let me also say this to you. If you've got an income producing asset and the interest rates are going up, that's fine. Interest rates have gone up from uh, it now currently sitting at about with the banks three to four percent. Um, rent has increased by 30 percent. It's it's been absolutely rocketing off. So I've also got commercial property and my rent is pegged to inflation. So as inflation increases, so does my rent directly correlated between the two. So yeah, I think that buying a house in this period is a really good idea. Um, it's a shitty idea to be sitting in cash because during inflation, the value of your dollar goes down. A banana costs you more, rent costs you uh, uh, petrol costs you more, everything costs you more. You need more deposit equity to get a Yeah, you need a bigger deposit to get into commercial property. Absolute right. Um, awesome sources. Um, thank you. If you're, if you're, if it's a, a question, well, what's my sources? My source is Core Logic Data, and what you can do is see the sources for yourself. You can just Google Core Logic and thirty years, thirty years of housing values. Do that. You're going to get all that you need. Anyways, I've really enjoyed talking to you all. If there's no more questions. Um, I'll catch you later.